This podcast is sponsored by Xgrowth. Xgrowth is the APAC ABM agency. If you and your organization are looking to land and expand enterprise mid-market deals, Xgrowth is the agency to help. Xgrowth works with a wide range of international and global technology vendors, service providers, and B2B SaaS companies. If this sounds like some of your interests to know more about, make sure to check out Xgrowth at xgrowth.com.au. That's xgrowth.com.au and chat with the APAC ABM agency. What's up, marketers, and welcome to another episode of the Growth Colony Podcast. I'm Liza from Xgrowth to tell you that each episode we bring in B2B leaders to chat about how you can achieve those everyday wins in the marketing world. Whether you're new to the B2B game, working at a leadership level, or even just showing some interest, we know you'll love the episode. So grab a drink, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shahina Hoda with Xgrowth, and today I'm talking to Lee Barnes, Chief Customer Officer at Intrapid Travel, about how to spend your brand marketing budget. Now, brand marketing is a tricky one where performance marketing has had all this rules and measurements that are attached to it. Brand marketing is a little bit different and sometimes a little bit challenging to get ROI and know where to spend it. So I'm really, really excited to have this conversation with Lee. Let's dive in. Lee, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks, mate. Great to have me. Excellent intro. I appreciate that. Um, And hopefully I can give some answers, eh? Um, At least I'll give it a crack. Mate, I'm sure sure it's going to be a great conversation. And, you know, we, we've had multiple conversations and, uh, you know, you talk quite a lot about kind of ethical marketing, transparency in your marketing, kind of building trust. And a lot of people do that, right? But I feel like a lot of people don't have a structure for it. A lot of people come and say, you know, it's, trust is very important. And then when you, when you dig a little bit deeper, it's like, okay, so w- w- what, are we, what are we doing? And there's, there's not a lot in there, at least not a lot, not a lot of actionable advice there. I think my first question that I want to, I want to ask you is, is around transparency, where first of all, like, how do you, how do you define transparency in your marketing? Like, what is, what is the, what, what does transparency in marketing mean for you? And then I want to talk about measurement, but let's first talk about um, what, what does it mean for you? Yeah. Interesting question. I've never framed it. Like, I don't think we sat around and said like, what does what are we defining transparency as? It's more that we've believed as we're a B Corp. So B Corps are companies that use their business as a force for good. And one of the tenets of that is being transparent. Yeah, and we believe if we want to be the best travel company for the world and use our business as a force for good, we should open the books around what we do well and what do we not do well. And I think uh, the transparency probably comes back to us from our founders insofar as they don't want the company to BS. I won't swear, but BS is what you think it is. And they want us to own when we don't get stuff right. 
Yeah, and I think that's probably the way we look at it is if we've not done something right, we need to own it. We then need to commit to getting better and we've got to put a put something in place around doing that. A good example, whereas we haven't done well enough, has been our interaction with First Nations people here in Australia. We were, you know, took thousands of people around Australia every year, but we didn't have, you know, a deep First Nations product in our trips. We then took action to commit to a reconciliation action plan. We fully publicly released that, that plan to the public. We also keep track of how we're performing to it. And fast forward five years, we now have, I think, almost a First Nations experience on every trip, which we went from almost none. And last year, um, we had almost half a million dollars going directly into First Nations businesses because of those changes. So it's it's not for us, it's no BS owning when you do something wrong committing publicly to fixing it and then putting in place actions to make that happen. I love that. I love that. I mean, yeah, I was going to ask about measurement, but I think you've you've kind of answered that where there's something that you, it, it sounds like the process is, you know, there's something that we're not good at. Let's put this out, the fact that we're not good at, and then report on and how we're, how we're improving this. Is that, is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. And I think it's also too like, like I think we're starting to see a reckoning around attribution and measurement. There, there is a part of yeah, you got to you have to measure and understand what's taking place, but you also have to lead. And to lead, you're not going to know the measurements that are going to tell you that what what is this the right thing to do. You've got to take sometimes have that gut feel in your stomach and feel a little bit uncomfortable, and you need to lead. And there's not always measurements for leadership beyond doing it and then seeing the results come afterwards. So yeah, for us, it's, there is a big leap of faith that you have to take, put it there, put the fish on the table and make it happen. But then, yeah, it's about owning it, reviewing it and making changes and taking towards it. But I think don't get caught up in the measurement in your initial decision-making, go forth, but then it's something that you look to use to improve and benchmark. Got it. Okay. Well, this is very interesting that you bring this up because just like you said, it is risky and and sometimes it's a little bit scary to do that. There are definitely people that are listening to this and they're like, I, there's no way I can pull that off. There's no way I'm going to get approval on this. Do you think that is the job of the marketer to, uh, or, you know, the marketer, customer, whoever, like, you know, revenue person, yeah. To kind of create these initiatives or you're like, hey, if your leadership does not drive this, it's just forget about it. It's not going to work. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think it's twofold. You know, it does need to be a leadership thing. You know, I'm very lucky to work at Intrepid where, you know, our leadership is bought into that mindset that we want to be transparent, open and own when we make mistakes. But also your job as a marketer is to tell stories and to bring these things to life with your leadership, yeah? So if it is a change that you want to see, your role is to tell stories, show examples of how this has worked for businesses. But, you know, you also need to step back and say, hey, this transparency, how does it work for our strategy? Like, what's the DNA of our company? And is this right for our company strategy? This works perfectly for Intrepid, and we have a lot of benefits from it. But stepping back, if I was the CMO at other companies, it's not going to be like for like. I obviously fundamentally believe the more transparent we are, the better outcomes we'll have. But you need to be, does it align to our business strategy? How do I get buy-in from the leadership? And what stories can I tell to show this value? Love it. Okay. 
We've talked about, Lee, we've talked about in our previous chat about a few other programs that you've done. I'd love to kind of get a bit more example of um, these these brand motions that you've had. I mean, you've done some work with WWF. You've done some work around carbon neutrality. Uh, can you give us a little bit more, a couple more examples of initiatives that have really, that, that, that very strongly contribute to the company's brand? Yeah, well, I suppose there's there's lots of cool stuff that we've done over the, over the journey. I think there's probably a couple of cool examples that I'll speak to. One of the big things that we did out of the pandemic was commit to our ethical marketing guidelines. We spoke a little bit about the start of that, start of this conversation, and they're effectively a commitment to our customers and to the business and our partners that we're going to market Intrepid as ethically as possible. And that is how we're going to represent our customers, how we're going to use data, what we're going to represent our, our customers in our marketing. You know, we've now got commitments and guidelines around how many LGBTQI plus travelers, uh, what level of um, BIPOC travelers are going to be, how often we work with um, creators, First Nation creators, and how we're getting money to these particular creators as well. So we've now set up and been uh, very transparent around our performance on that. Some areas we have done exceptionally well, others we need to get better at. I think one of the areas where we have made big changes in the last six months where we weren't meeting our targets was working with enough First Nations creators on our social media channels, and we've made those those changes. So that's resonated really well. We also have an email address, uh, accountability at intrepidtravel.com. And this is a, an email address where anyone can reach out to us where they don't think we're living those standards and call us out and probably go back to that transparency piece to have a way for people to be able to, you know, self-govern, call us out, which is which is quite powerful. So that's been quite cool and quite powerful and it's seen a big shift. If you had a look at, if anyone has a look at our Instagram channel, you can probably see that in action. We were very much promoting destinations previously. Now you'll see rich customer stories from people from all walks of life all across the globe. And you'll also see more stories too from the communities on the ground, our leaders. So it's not just that um, traveler view, it's also from the view of our leaders and people in country. So that's been a big shift over the last 18 months. We've also, as you touched on, uh, carbon neutral. We've committed to the UN-based um, science reduction carbon targets. So we're reducing the carbon our business creates. Probably the biggest thing too is we are now doing more brand marketing. And, uh, you know, we, we're going out and you will see Intrepid more in the wild. Pre-pandemic, so much of our cash was spent around uh, performance marketing. You will now see us on billboards. You will now see us on cinema, hear us on the radio, on podcasts. And that's been really big in making sure enough people know about Intrepid. Our North Star is to become a global iconic brand. And the more moments and the more people that will know and interact and see Intrepid is going to mean more customers in the future. So by doing that um, and putting that out there, that's been quite powerful now that we've seen more people knowing Intrepid and you'll continue to see us doing things like that so more people know about the brand. And, you know, I think it just comes back to, you know, we're so caught up everyone performance, like, but realistically step back. If a customer doesn't know who you are, how are they going to think to purchase you? And it really comes back to those three things that you need to know. Customers need to know who you are. They need to have a good emotion or you know, good feeling about your brand. And then they have to remember you when they go to purchase. And just by focusing on performance marketing, that is impossible. And 
you know, some of the cool things that have happened out of that, you know, we do a hell of a lot more PR work. We were recently listed as one of Time's most influential companies in the world. We're just beaten out by Kim Kardashian Spanx in our, in our sector, <laughs> in our section, which is pretty cool. Um, and hey, a crazy sentence, um, Shaheen, I never thought I'd say that. I never thought in the world <laughs> I would say we lost in Times Magazine to Kim Kardashian and Spanx. But right. it's it's don't, more about don't focusing on underestimate the Kardashians. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I probably underestimated the power of being out telling your brand story and you've just got to make sure people know who the hell you are. I think this is such a great conversation, especially, you know, I know a lot of the work that you and the team do are in the B2C space, but I think it's such an important lesson, even for B2B organizations of how do they build that brand. And I think brand building is something that the direct to consumer, the B2C space does a lot better than, than, than the B2B. One of the things that you, I'd like to unpack a little bit more is in your, what, what you were just saying right there was you were talking about, you know, you go on our website, on our, on our Instagram, you see all these things from our customers. But the other thing that you said also is that you're creating visibility from the leaders on the ground. Can you unpack that a little bit more in terms of what that means and, and what is happening on that front? Is that, is that, leaders like we're talking about people within the company that they're doing oh, things yeah. like the yeah, ceo a, yeah, the country managers <laughs> yeah no i was probably too much traveling go good for calling me out there so all of our trips are led by local leaders so people on the ground in country that will lead the trips so like tour guides we call them local leaders one of the things that we identified that quite often that tourism is very much spoken in a Western lens and not from the perspective of the people in the communities that we travel to. So we wanted to provide a way for those people to have a voice and talk about the experiences and how they experience travel and tourism. And we now have those leaders highlighted and their stories through our social media as well. Also too, because it's one of the best parts of the trip is the leader. So it's identifying that unique from Intrepid is you have that local leader that sort of takes you behind the scenes of that country. So that uniqueness and stand out is really talking about what the great work that those leaders do and, and why they're so amazing. We also have though now also done a lot more work uh, to your second point uh, with leaders in our business uh, talking more about what's happening in our organization. If you follow us on LinkedIn, you'll now see CEO, myself, our managing directors in country highlighting the different pieces of work that we're doing. So yeah, having number of leaders across our business championing the organization and talking about some of the things that we're doing. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Because I think, you know, that is definitely one of the areas that, especially in the B2B space as well, very, very relevant. Marketers want the thought leaders in the organization to speak out, to be present, to, to kind of promote themselves, uh, because that also in, in tandem promotes the brand as well. But in a lot of situations, that a lot of organizations have trouble doing that. Can you, can you unpack that a little bit more in terms of the organization's leaders and what are you doing on LinkedIn and, and how you go, how are you approaching it? Yeah, and I think I'd also like to just unpack the other thing to your initial point where maybe you said uh, your last question too around, you know, B2B doesn't do brand as well. I think too many people overcomplicate it. You know, if you're a brand that stands out, you know, B2B marketing is human-to-human marketing and we often forget that. And if humans that work at organizations know who you are, have a good emotion, connection to your business and remember you when they need your product. Jesus, that's so powerful. You know, and I think that at that point, a lot of B2B marketing probably needs to stand out more, be a bit more focused on brand because the more people that know you have a good emotion is going to have really positive impacts to you to be able to win future clients. So I think just that having that North Star is 
is is really important for B2B and maybe not get so caught up in just that performance component because the same principles apply in B2C and B2B from a marketing point of view. Secondly, on the social media part and how you get your business engaged, we pre-pandemic, we were probably always telling people, hey, post this on LinkedIn, share this on social media, engage with this post on Instagram. And it was always a slog. Yeah, it was yeah, hard. Good luck with that. No one, good luck with no that. One wants to, no one wants to be told what to do, man. You know, yeah, it, like, here's marketing again. Hey, guys, yeah. can I get a little bit of engagement here? Yeah, share this video that we made. Oh, come on, man. The, the thing that we now get more shares than ever, we, we now have you know more LinkedIn followers than uh, our main, main uh, our competitor set. What, what changed it is we made more cool shit. You know, people like sharing cool stuff. If you're proud of your organization, if your company's doing more of the right things more often, your people are going to want to talk about it. You know, I spoke about those ethical marketing guidelines. Our people, we have a very diverse set of people. They're proud of that. They share that. They'll go out and champion it. They'll speak about it when they go networking. They'll share it on their social media because they want to show the good things and their connection to this company. So I think it's less about, you know, post this on LinkedIn. You obviously got to help people with education on how to use the tools, but it's about making cool stuff and entertaining. I think I said to you earlier in another conversation that one of my least favorite words is content. It's because we almost just do content because we've got to do content. What you really want to do is to be standing out and entertaining and doing good stuff. And if you do that, more people are going to want to share. Your CEO is going to be really passionately sharing that cool video you made if they like it. You know, your, your head of sales or whoever it is across the business is going to be talking and highlighting these things if they are proud of them and they believe in them. Really hard for them to get up and share another 20% discount. That's not cool. Their audience isn't going to really care about that. But if you've got a thing that is leading, is changing the space, or is just cool and entertaining, hell yeah, you're going to share that. So I think it's less about telling people. It's more about giving them the tools. You know, this is how, you know, so you know how to do it. But it's making cool stuff and leading and doing stuff that's going to change the sector, they're going to share that sort of stuff. Love it. Love it. Tell me a little bit about word of mouth. I know that is that is definitely one of the one of the strategies and one of the things that that are important at the company. Can you tell me a little bit about like how do you go about encouraging that and and uh, further reinforcing it? Yeah, so like word of mouth's amazing in travel, you know, I think we all go to the pub or cafe and brag about our latest uh, experience or holiday. And that's no different in Intrepid. You know, we see somewhere, it's real hard to measure, but we believe somewhere between 20 and 40% of our bookings or engagement comes from word of mouth. Um, and then realistically, there's just two main things around how we go about doing that. One is continuously making our product exceptional. So we have a very high NPS, around 76 NPS to ensure that our customer experience is great. So if people have a great holiday, they're going to brag about it. They're going to tell their friends. They're going to share it. And then the other thing is making it easy for them to remember and to share your business. So we brand up the experience so customers see the leaders in the Intrepid brand, logo, colors. Um, they have information from us afterwards. We follow up, you know, here's your trip. Here's where you can go and talk about Intrepid. So I think there's just two things, maybe similar to what I just said around getting your leaders to share on social media. Mm. It's great product, entertaining product, and then making it easy. So giving those customers the tools and memory structures, you know, to be able to talk and share about you. You know, the last thing you want is customer has a great holiday and then they can't remember who the hell they went with. <laughs> um, so you've got to do that thing around um, great experience, but then 
and making it easier for the customer to talk about you. Yeah, and also remember who they uh, who they had that experience with. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, because they'll be doing all sorts, you know. Yeah, because you just don't want to make it hard for yourself and go, oh, yeah, I can't remember who. Then that's just absolutely wasted. So you've got to do things to stand out. Absolutely. Lee, one of the things that you talked about was pre-pandemic, a lot of focus on performance, uh, performance marketing. And then post-pandemic is this shift that has happened in the organization. There's a lot more focus on, on brand. How do you balance that performance versus brand now? And what does that look like um, at the organization? That, that, that's the structure of the two. Look, I think from my awakening and just, I suppose, backpedal for understanding was really during the pandemic, we saw just so much of our traffic just vanish because so much of it was spent on performance. And that was really an inflection point to sort of kick in my face or punch in the chops that, hey, we needed to be doing something else. And there's a lot of literature out there that, which will help companies navigate this um, or people navigate this. The Les Burnett piece around the long and short of it, which is where a lot of this thinking came from. Mark Ritson has some amazing pieces on Marketing Week and Brian Sharp on how brands grow. And that's where I did a lot of that reading to understand the shift. And, and in the long and short of it, you need both. You need your strong short-term purpose, uh, performance firing. You know, Is this right customer seeing the right product at the right price with the right availability? But we also, you need to continually make sure people know who the hell you are. And back to that first point that I said, know who you are, have a good emotion and remember you when they purchase. So from a budgeting point of view, we effectively split it 50-50. Different months will flex more and less, but we roughly spend about 50% on brand and 50% on performance or short-term activations. We then also had to look at how you spend. And one of the things I'm still grappling with is the best times to be spending and flexing brand versus performance you know how much how much reach do i need before by what point of view to ensure this amount of revenue so that's a learning point for me but the way we've structured it really is to say half of the spend should go to brand and half needs to go on driving that activation performance and delivering today's result but at what we've seen though as we continue to do more brand our short continually performs better so there's that that sort of virtuous cycle of the more brand you do, the better your performance, your short-term marketing will fire. So yeah, that's how we currently balance it. Some months we do an amazing job, some months not. I think the big step for me now and changing is around when we actually spend that brand piece and what's the most effective time to do that. Got it. Got it. Okay. I mean, Lee, this has been great. I I do have some rapid fire questions I want to ask you, but before before going there, is there is there anything that maybe with regards to what we're talking about that I haven't touched on or you think it's important for us to cover? Yeah, I think the main point really, and I know it's a B2B stuff, but I think really for B2B, it's you're marketing to humans. And I think too often that's forgotten. And we see the more brand work we do and the more we entertain, it helps drive our B2B business. And the more bigger brand things we do, the better our B2B performs. One of the big things, and I didn't really touch on this, the transparency pieces, we launch an integrated report each year, which is a complete 360 view transparent of our business from our financials to our marketing to our um, sustainability and purpose work. Um, and that's a big brand moment. We go out, we're a privately listed custom, uh, company. We don't need to go to, to go to, you know, to go to this level, but we do this every year as a way of transparently showing this to our customers and to our partners. And we see this as one of the biggest and best drivers of the business. We get more businesses reaching out to us to work with us and discuss 
how we could possibly do than we would from most other standard B2B activations. So I think, you know, if the point of this conversation is really around and your your podcast and your business around that B2B, it's how can you represent your brand? How do you entertain? And remembering that you're marketing to people, not businesses. Lee, on that point, I want to unpack something. I think that you definitely touched on something very, very critical here. How do you, you know, you, you, so you put this report together. It's it's all about the business and what the business is doing. What are your thoughts on the argument that, you know, a lot of a lot of marketers have where it's like they, they would say, hey, you have to be all about the customer. You have to be talking about the customer. The customer doesn't care about you or what you're doing and, and, and all that stuff. Um, but what you're saying is there's, there's a huge uptake when you put a report out like that. What are your thoughts on that? I'd love to kind of unpack that and where where do you stand? Do you, could you kind of believe in that? Do you, you know, or are you saying, no, actually people care about what you do and that does have an impact? What do you think about that argument? Oh, I think it's like both. Like I think there's too much like allism in marketing. <laughs> you know, yeah, we definitely want to entertain the customer that the customer cares about, but we as a company want to be the best travel company for the world and stand for something. And we believe that's important part of our brands and our business. And that, yeah, sometimes customers are going to want to hear about it. Not all the time. They're not going to want to report in their inbox every day of the week. And how of the hundreds of thousands of customers that travel with us, they're not all going to care. But the ones that will travel again and again, business businesses will care. So it depends on who the customer is. So I think too often we get allism, like we've got to be all in on brand or all in on this thing and all in on that, not understanding that. Humans are messy, they're complicated, and it's not the same solution all the time. You know, our brand positioning and marketing isn't going out with this report all the time, but this report definitely fits a need for certain customers, for certain partners, and we build it with them in mind. So, yeah, I, I don't think I'm, I may be sitting on the fence, maybe sitting on the fence aggressively, uh, Shane. I don't <laughs> aggressively know. So, on the fence. <laughs> yeah, aggressively on the fence. But I think though, too often it's like, you have to only show the customer. You can't tell them this. No, customers are smart. They're not idiots. And some will really enjoy this stuff. Others will be like, I don't really care, but that's fine. Move on. We will do something entertaining for you. So yeah, I do think you want to rep the customer. You want to entertain them, but you also got to go back to your business and your strategy and who your company is and what you want to stand for. And we want to be transparent. We want to change the world. We want people to understand that and learn. And we give that information away. Balanced view, or as you said, aggressively on the fence, throwing rocks sometimes <laughs> on this side of the fence and then sometimes on the other side of the fence. Love it. Did you know that Christmas has come early for us here at Xgrowth? Whether you may or may not celebrate, we've got a special gift made just for you. Tucked in our pod description, you'll find a link to your very own copy of the 2023 State of Account-Based Marketing in APAC Report. Want a sneak peek? Well, despite budget cuts, 0% of surveyed APAC marketing leaders plan to reduce their ABM investment. In fact, 65% view ABM as a crucial part of their marketing spend. Uncover the insights and strategies used by the top marketing leaders. So don't miss out and grab your copy now to stay ahead in the ABM game. Okay, um, let's do some rapid fire questions, Lee. First question I want to ask is, and I'm going to modify this a little bit because I know you're a reader. Yeah. Give me a couple of books. Give, give me give me three books that you either have gifted to a lot of people. You they have had huge impact on your life. Or overall, like, or, or maybe we're talking about recency. You recently read it, read it, and you were like, "This is amazing." 
Give me, give me three books that you you hold very highly. Yeah, I'm frantically uh, opening my phone up because I've got my Kindle list here. I'm shocking to remember names, but the book I've been giving out most at the moment from a marketing perspective um, is a book by Les Burnett called How Not to Plan, 66, yeah, 66 Ways Not to Plan or How Not to Plan. Oh, here you go. I'll get the actual title. Yeah, it's called How Not to Plan, 68 Ways. It's sort of a deep dive into marketing, all the BS and stuff that goes on. And, and it's just an amazing Amazing marketing book, um, and it's really helped shape some of my thinking. So I'd encourage anyone to to get that one. How not to plan? The other book that I have been sharing is a strategy book by Richard Rummel. It's good strategy, bad strategy, and you've probably heard me say a couple of times the importance of strategy and going back to that and understanding if what you're doing is actually driving to, towards that. I think too often we just want to do the the tactics or stuff that makes us look cool. So the good strategy, bad strategy is just so good in being like, this is what strategy is. You need to put your resources, your people behind it. You need to have clarity of thought. It just does that so bloody well. And then the other one has been just sharing a lot of um, Stan Grant's books about First Nations life in Australia. They're all amazing books, but I've been sharing a lot of them with my friends. So yeah, how not to plan, good strategy, bad strategy, and then anything from uh, Stan Grant. I've taken a lot of notes here. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I asked that question. Question two, if you could only give one advice to B2B marketers, what would it be? I think it's my, what I've hopefully they've said a couple of times through this, like you're marketing to people and go back to, you know, marketing truth, stand out. What's the emotion you're trying to create? And will customers remember to, to come to you when they, they need you? I think getting back to a lot of that stuff and, and making sure people know you, you know, the, the importance of fame and remembering is just so important. And I think marketing and sales is, you know, obviously we've got to deliver revenue and that's so important, but the more well-known you are, the more revenue you're going to generate. And I think it's just getting back to that truth. Question three, who are some of the influencers in the marketing space that you follow? I mean, you've talked about Lisbonette, you've talked about a few people here. Um, does anyone else come to mind? Look, I think the, the people I've mentioned, Mark Ritson, Brian Sharp, Les Bonetta, the, the ones that I'm reading and digesting the most at the moment, they're the people that I think do are doing some of the, some of the best work. I think, yeah, so that would be the people that I'd recommend that you that you read. There's just so much good literature out there that you can learn, and these people have done the work, done the research. And I think my big learning over the last couple of years is you're not always going to be able to tell the story through your own business's lens and the numbers that you've got. It's you've got to go out and find other companies' stories to tell back into your business to see the change. Very true. Last thing is, what is something that excites you about marketing today? Oh, I think the thing that's exciting me the most is there's more cool brand stuff happening. Like marketing is getting back, like moving away from just the the brutal attribution and that we sort of got self caught up in, and we're now lifting our eyes up and remembering that you know it should be fun. We should stand out, you know, and I think that big change is, has been coming over the, coming out of the pandemic. And I just think we're going to see more and more brands doing cool stuff that entertains their audiences. So I'm quite excited uh, by that. And I think that change is going to keep rapidly happening um, here in Oz. I think it's happened in the UK quite aggressively. And we're going to see more and more brands doing cool stuff here in Oz. I've heard that a couple of times recently and welcome it with open arms but, uh, and I think that's a whole nother topic for another podcast. But <laughs> Lee, 
Thank you so much for coming on the uh, on the show. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate your time. I've taken a lot of notes. I'm sure a lot of the listeners have taken a lot of things away as well. So thank you so much for uh, for all the insights. No, thanks so much and having a chat. I greatly appreciate it. And if anyone has any questions or wants to chat, just reach out I'm on LinkedIn and I'm happy to discuss further. Amazing. Thanks, Lee. Cool. Cheers. Today's episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell and Liza Maywald. It was edited by Dave Semedo with additional editing by Liza Maywell and music arrangement by Alexander and Liza. Special thanks to Tina Wabe. We couldn't make the show without you. Growth Colony is hosted by Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at Xgrowth. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do you think you'd be a great guest or just keen for a chat? Send through an email at podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's all for now. We'll catch you next week right here on Growth Colony.